Come have a zippity doo da day and a big, bright, beautiful tomorrow on the Mousecapades Radio Network. My radio station. My radio station. Happy Friday, Mousecapades listeners. This is Vicki, and I'm here with Kaylee. We pray that you're all staying safe, happy, and healthy. This is episode 739, and you're listening to the number one podcast that interchanges that space between your ears, the Mousecapades Podcast. Before we get started, we'd like to remind you that the Mousecapades Podcast is part of the Your Story Travel Company. At Your Story Travel Company, we can plan a magical trip for you on just about any budget. It only takes a $200 refundable deposit to hold your ticket and resort reservation. Text MOM for a free quote at 636-373-4497. So, Kaylee, over the years, things have happened in the parks, and we are going to talk about some of the crazy things that have happened in the parks over the years. We're also going to talk about some of the rides that used to be in the parks and whether or not we think that they should still be around or if Disney made a right decision getting rid of them. I'm going to kick it off with the 25th anniversary of Disney World in 1996. And if Chrissy Pegnati is listening, we know, we're sorry, Chrissy, that to bring this up again, it's a horrible memory for her. And that is for the 25th anniversary, Disney decided to turn Cinderella Castle into a large birthday cake. Many of the guests that got there that had never been to the parks before thought it was really cool. And they loved that Disney did that, but longtime fans that had been coming for years and years and years did not, like Chrissy Pagnotti and her family. They were just astounded that Disney would do this to the castle because it it is a Pepto-Bismol pink for sure. Um, they didn't think it looked good. And to make matters worse, they left the birthday cake on the castle for two years celebrating the 25th anniversary. What do you think about that? It looks like Candyland. It doesn't look majestic, which I guess if they were going for a cartoon birthday cake, it fits that theme, but it definitely is not magical. It doesn't look good, at least in the photo that I am feasting my eyes on right now. Right, it does well, not look good. That's what it looked like. To be honest, it looks like it belongs in Wreck-It Ralph because it's all the candy and everything. And so it makes me think of Vanellope. Yeah, it's just, I will say it makes me appreciate the salmon pink that they went with for the new castle, which isn't like the worst, but also not the best. But I mean, I'll take that over whatever this monstrosity is. It looks like they let a kid design it. I mean, basically, and maybe they did. I, I mean, I don't know all the behind the scenes stuff that led up to this. For all we know, some Imagineers ask their kids what they think the castle should look like for its 25th birthday. We don't know. Well, did somebody lose a bet? Why did it stay for two years? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, we know the 50th is lasting for 18 months. For all we know, it's going to last for two years. But I mean, I feel like this is different because we have a pandemic in the midst of this. They have no reason. Like, I was born in the middle of this and I'm upset that this is what the castle looked like when I graced the world. <laughs> I'm upset. Well, you don't have a picture with it, but That's a lot true. of people love the fond memory of their picture with this castle. So. I mean, it makes it rare. 
True. Yeah. I think overall, most people are happy that it's not there anymore, but I still wanted to talk about it because it was such a source of contention for many people. Chrissy being one. Yeah. Chrissy really, really did not like it. All right. Here's one that I've actually experienced. We all have mom and I, at least in 2004, Stitch's Great Escape opened at the Magic Kingdom in Tomorrowland. The day the ride opened, Disney toilet papered Cinderella Castle and it was spray painted with Stitch is King. Disney wanted it to look like Stitch vandalized the castle. It made some interesting family photos, but it was only like that for one day. So was that a good decision? I just, I didn't understand why did that make an entrance for Stitch? I mean, I know he was a troublemaker, but I think there could have been other ways to make the first day. Here was my take. I understand where they're coming from because they wanted to make a statement. When you come in, you see the castle, they're advertising like there is a new ride, go ride it. Awesome. Right. But you also have to think if people are only going to the Magic Kingdom for one day, that's what their pictures are gonna look like. That's horrible. This is true. And like, I think a better option would have been toilet papering the Tomorrowland sign because then it's like he has entered Tomorrowland and that's a less significant icon. And that still would have been like, hey, it's bringing attention. This is where the ride is. It's only for one day. Like that might've been more special, but it's not like the icon of the park. That's just my take, but. I was thinking it would have been cool if they would have painted his footprints on the ground from the time you entered the castle and said, follow these footprints to a new adventure or something. It would have been a little less dramatic, but still made a point of drawing people's attention. And that seems like something he would do. You know, get, he would put his foot in paint and walk through the park. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know that that would have been any better, but it wouldn't have been in everybody's pictures. <laughs> That's true too. And I can't believe that they did all that for one day. <laughs> I can. For the stuff they've done now, I can believe it. It just seems kind of crazy to me. Well, Kaylee, this one's interesting to me. Did you know that Epcot's Food and Wine Festival used to include a cranberry bog? What is that? So I know you've seen those ocean spray cranberry commercials before where they're standing in water with cranberries floating. You have got to be kidding. No, they had like this. It wasn't huge. It was probably the size of grandma's pool. So like 28. It might have been. It was rectangular or oval. So it was probably like... Um, 28 long and I don't know, 20 feet apart. And it was filled with cranberries and you could put waders on and get in and walk around in the cranberries. You could also purchase food and beverages to eat while you were in there. And they had a cranberry expert in there with people who had never done that before to make the experience better. Yeah, you should go look up pictures of it. It's pretty funny. But it apparently was a very big thing at one time. Like everybody looked forward to doing it and one year, which I couldn't find when it was, but one year, it just didn't return and nobody's seen it since. So I don't know if like Ocean Spray pulled their sponsorship or what happened, but it was a really big deal and you get your picture taken and all kinds of stuff. I just feel like this is a hot mess express waiting to happen. You got people wading around in a moat of cranberry juice while they are intoxicated with this little person in there, this poor cast member in the blazing heat, just like, let me give you some background knowledge that you probably don't want and you won't remember because you're not gonna remember most of today from all the beverages you are intaking, but let's give it a go anyway. 
Like, what is this experience? This is the weirdest thing I think I have heard us talk about. I thought it was a joke. And so I had to do some more research on it. But yeah, no, it's not a joke. It's a real thing. Oh my gosh. I feel like this is something you find at a county fair. Well, and that's like <laughs> why I kind of thought it was a joke. I mean, but you have to remember that it wasn't cranberries, but it was grapes for the iconic, and I know this is before mine and your time, the I Love Lucy show, but I know you've seen that on like Pretty Woman where she's walking around in a vat of grapes, squishing them to help make wine. Oh yeah. And so um, I just figured somebody was just being silly, but nope, it was a real thing at Epcot's Food and Wine Festival at one time. That's crazy. So if you have pictures, then that's a historical picture because that does not occur anymore. Wow, I just cannot get over that. Mm, okay. <laughs> I kind of want it to come back so you can do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now, Barbies were never something that I liked as a child, even though I know that it's a large part of many young girls' childhood. It was not part of mine, but Disney had a connection to Barbie at one point. From 1993 to 1995, the Magical World of Barbie was a show at Epcot's American Gardens. The show had a lot of ruffles, spandex, big hair, and most importantly, a lot of paint. Barbie used to ride around the World Showcase in a glittery pink limo. The show even gave guests the opportunity to visit with Barbie and Ken after the show, but it never had the popularity that Disney thought it would have, so it was canceled. The most interesting part about this show is that the Barbie show was a part of Disney before Barbie was in the Toy Story movies. So we wonder if it would have been more popular if the show came out after the Toy Story movies. I think it would have. They should try to bring it back. I don't know if they should bring that show because again, this is something that I think you need to look up because just researching it made me laugh. Um, I'm not going to attempt to sing because uh, listeners, if you don't know, I'm still recovering from COVID and <laughs> it does not sound good. But you know that song, I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. That's what was going through my head the whole time I was um, researching this because I was like, I had no clue that, that Epcot did this. I just, I am astounded that this was a thing. But also, I think it's a good point. I feel like this show would fit in to what Hollywood Studios used to be before it became more like Star Wars focused. But now it would fit in in Toy Story Land. I know, that's true, but there's nowhere to put it. It's too small. Yeah, I don't understand that with all the land that Disney has, why they've made Hollywood Studios so compact. But that, the thing, that was the thing that was most crazy to me, that this was an Epcot. What the heck did this have to do with the World Showcase? I... I feel like maybe at this point, they just thought like, we need to get people here <laughs> in the 1990s. Like, remember this is when they were doing all the stints with the 90s sitcoms too. And they were like, look, they're going to Epcot. <laughs> like Boy Meets World and Family Matters and Full House. Like they all took a like trip to Epcot. So, I mean, I think they were just trying to get people in the parks. If only they could see where they are now. I know, hilarious. So Disney's done a lot of things to draw on people, as you said. And when Hollywood Studios used to be known as MGM, and this was also in the 90s, MGM had a very interesting meet and greet. And that was with Ace Ventura, pet detective. <laughs> I wish the listeners could see your face. The character had its own show at MGM. I'm not sure what he did for the show because it doesn't tell us, but yes. 
Ace Ventura Pet Detective had his own show. Now, Ace Ventura was a Warner Brothers character, so we weren't sure why Disney wanted them, but they got the license before Warner Brothers did, so they were able to bring him into their park. And so he became a part of Hollywood Studios for a short stint. I think it was really less than two years, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't see this show. It was before my time at Disney, um, but you know it was crazy because they had to find a character that acts like Jim Carrey. That is wild that they were even like, oh yeah, we can like train people to act like Jim Carrey. No, you cannot. That man is. Well, I want to know where they had it. Like there was really no indication of where it took place. Well, we could, if you want to, if you want to look up the map of MGM Studios in the 90s, we could see which um, buildings existed and try to take our guesses. Um, it could be, my guess is where the Disney Junior show happens now. That's one option because that's an indoor theater. This looks like it happened on the streets back there in the part where they used to have Osborne Spectacle of Lights for Christmas. Yeah. It, it looks like it was a street show. And not only could you watch the show in the streets of America, but you could often meet with him after the performance. So yeah, he was on the streets of America, you know, where we used to take pictures and that's where the Osborne's yeah. Festival Lights was. Very interesting. I still don't see how it ties to Disney at all. I don't think of Disney when I think of Jim Carrey in this movie. I think maybe at this point, was Universal a thing at this time? So Universal opened in June of 1990 and I guess they were just in competition with them. Uh, I think, I think with Orlando now becoming a hub and it then having Universal as well, they realized like they needed something competitive because they were now having like another theme park close enough that was gonna draw people away. So maybe they felt they needed to bring in some aspects that maybe weren't so Disney, that it would bring people in that maybe weren't wanting to go for the Disney, but it would draw them enough. Maybe so. So, I mean, maybe that was their thinking, but I don't know why it was this. <laughs> I know, of all the movies, very crazy. Just, again, crazy things that Disney has done that we either didn't know about or completely forgot about. That would be something I would wipe out of my mind for sure. Yeah. Well, the 90s seemed to be a wild time in the world of Disney because we've got another change that happened in the 1990s. In 1998, Disney decided that the Enchanted Tiki Room at the Magic Kingdom needed a change. The Enchanted Tiki Room was renamed the Tiki Room under new management, and the birds that are the originators of the Tiki Room were still a part of the show. However, Zazu from The Lion King and Iago from Aladdin were now in charge. Of course, the storyline had Zazu and Iago taking over, and Disney guests were not very thrilled with this version of the show. However, it did hang on until 2011 when there was a small roof fire. The ride was refurbished and when it reopened, it went back to the enchanted tiki room that was Walt's brainchild and it remains that way today. That's crazy to me because we didn't do it our first couple times there mm -hmm. and we could have seen it as the Zazu and Iago version, but we didn't. Well, what's crazy to me is that it lasted almost 13 years before they and the only reason it seems like they refurbished it was because there was a small roof fire. It makes me think somebody set the roof on fire so that they would go back to the original. Well, mom's going to start a rumor. You heard it here, folks. 
I don't know that that's fact. I'm just saying, I was like, really? It took you 13 years to figure out this is really not going well. Maybe we should go back to the way Walt made it. I mean, we know for a fact that like Disney doesn't always do what the guests want because they don't really care as long as they're making their money. So, all right, listeners, sorry you got me today. I'm not as all happy-go-lucky as some of the other people. And maybe also... (laughs) We didn't go see this because Angela, that might've been one of the reasons Angela didn't want us to go see it. Maybe she had seen it when it was this show and she was like, meh. That's possible too. I mean, I just remember that first show was very go, 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 go. We didn't do a lot of sitting. Right. (laughs) Which you can do Disney sitting and I recommend you do Disney sitting. Yes. Take some time to smell the smells, look at the people, look at the characters, look at just all the stuff around because there's hidden Mickeys everywhere. You take a walk and then you snack while you sit. And then you take a walk again and then you snack while you sit. (laughs) And then it's time for a meal. Well, um, Animal Kingdom opened when you were about one years old, so 1998. Um, There was a ride and you can still see where that ride would have been or used to be, I should say. You can't ride it, but it's called the Discovery River Boats on the Discovery River, which is now where they have the kite tails and they have the, um, they don't call them water cavalcades. What do they call them? Flotillas. Where they have the flotillas now with the characters, which I love that and I hope they keep that because I love that we can see those characters, but people aren't like pushing and shoving to get to them and everybody can get a pretty good picture because they're on the water. So um, anyway, I digress. So that used to be a ride that people would go down. Um, now it's like an area where people just take pictures or just chill out. But you would go down there and get on this boat and a captain would take you around and tell you all about the different areas of the park while on the river. Um, it didn't go over very well. So in 1999, they tried to revamp it a little bit and they played, um, what do you call it? Commentary. They played Radio Disney music and called it the Radio Disney River Cruise. But again, people still weren't buying into it. Like it wasn't very popular at all. And so I guess Disney just feel like we're paying all these people to work this ride and it's not helping the flow of anything. You know what I mean? Like there weren't that many people even riding it. And to be honest, Kaylee, if I show you where it is or if you know where I'm talking about, it's kind of off the beaten path a little bit. It's across from where those monkeys are in the big high trees. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, maybe it wasn't well signed or something that people didn't know it was down there. I have no idea. It makes me wonder because Animal Kingdom, so it opened in 1998. Mm -hmm. It, um, and then by like the year 2000, it was already scrapped because they were like, okay, so people don't like this ride. But then we just talked about how the Tiki Room stuck around for 13 years, even though people didn't like that. And so to me, that's kind of crazy. I'm like, what is your criteria? And I guess the only thing that I can think of is that Animal Kingdom was new. So they thought we need to get people in this park to make it well-liked because we just spent millions of dollars building a new park. Right. When the Magic Kingdom was the Magic Kingdom. Like they didn't need to advertise to get people in there. So they thought, well, we just redone this ride. We like put the Iago and Zazu in there. Like, why would we redo it? We spent this money. People are coming to the park. Like, even if they don't like this one thing, it's fine. Right. That's the only thing I can really think between the two parks. Well, and also when it opened, you have to remember, it didn't have 
Pandora. I mean, Animal Kingdom, even when we went, like, it's kind of crazy to me to think Animal Kingdom was only 11 years old the right. first time we went, which I didn't realize as a kid. I didn't process how new it was. Correct. Because, I mean, that was almost my entire life, like, at that point in time. Like, Animal Kingdom is almost as old as me, but that's really young for a park that's still very new. And like just the amount that's been added since we started going to the parks is crazy. Cause now we've, I think if the listeners have been around for a long time, they now know that we can spend more time in Animal Kingdom, but it was not like a very popular park for us at first. No. We could do it for like a half day and then we were kind of just like, okay, we did everything we want. Now we can leave, like we're good. Miranda made a good point. Um, there's some, they're having some problems with Dinosaur, which makes me sad. I, I, I realize that at some point that ride is going to go away, but I do like it. But she was saying, wouldn't it be cool if they transformed it into, or reimagined it into Zootopia, that whole area. That would be really cool because it fits. Like it well, fits in Animal Kingdom. Right. And, and we were talking about the fact that Zootopia has a series now. They're going to have a set of... Sh- of movies that are a set of little shows that are going to come on six at a time in the series. So the first one is about, um, what is that? A rat or a possum or something that plays the Godfather in Zootopia. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well that show is going to go on and then there's going to be another set and then another set. So I just like thought about, I'm like flourishing off of Miranda's idea. Yeah. I love that idea because she's right. They could turn dinosaur into a Zootopia ride. Um, But then like that whole area that was like the dino land, like that could be like that whole area is just Zootopia. And then where the dinosaur like playground is can be turned into something else. Maybe like where the hamsters live and it could be like hamster things instead. And they just retheme the restaurant to something else. Like, that whole area, yeah, could just be rethemed to Zootopia, and it would, it it elevates the area, it makes it more modern, like it'll draw people over there. Well, and it's going to bring people back anyway. Now that they've put this on Disney Plus, even though that movie, I how many years is it now? Eight or nine years old? Oh my gosh, no, not not yet. Not I that think old. that movie came out. I want to say 2016 or 17. So we're not there quite yet. Well, I knew it's been a while. And so even those kids, like my kids this year that I had, didn't really know it unless their parents were uh, 2016. You're right. See, that's that's surprising to me because my students know it. But I think it just depends on the group of students you get. But you well, also have second graders. so Right. And my kids knew it. Um, if they had Disney Plus, they knew it. But not all my kids had Disney Plus, so they didn't necessarily watch Disney. I mean, look at how many kids played just video games. That's what they were doing. And so, anyway, I still think with them bringing this new show to Disney Plus, this would be the perfect time for them to think about that. I don't know if they're going to do anything like that, but um, there was something else. Oh, the other thing that I thought of, because Gina was like, we need to call in. Um, I was saying that Encanto is easily the soundtrack itself. Sorry, listeners, we've gone off track a little bit, but... kind of ties together um they're closing frozen sing-along for a refurbishment right now but if it ever did close i think they should redo it as an encanto sing-along because we already know that encanto is going to be franchised we know that because it's been leaked that things are going on there's going to probably be a sequel 
that would be a way to market it for sure. And then they could get four or five years out of that. And then hopefully down the road, be able to get another, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then they could continue that. And I think them doing that would be so smart because I think those songs are more, I think they're more suited to a family. Like I think Frozen, not that Frozen wasn't, but I think Frozen was like, I don't, I hate this mindset because if the listeners like can get the way my personality is, I hate that a lot of my boys were like, Frozen is for girls. I'm like, no, it's not, but okay. Um, I'm like, you're just mad that we've got a power female lead and you're just like, where's the boy? And I'm like, uh, we'll go find the rest of history in Disney movies and you can find a boy. Like, let the girls have their moment, please. But they were all just angry because they're like, it's two girls. And I get why they're saying that, but I think Encanto, the family aspect is there more. Like the songs are more suited to a whole family sing-along rather than just being like, okay, we're going to the Frozen sing-along, like leave your dad outside um, kind of thing. Now I know some parents are probably sick of the Encanto soundtrack as well because their kids have listened to it time and time again. But I have so many boys that love the Encanto soundtrack. Right. So, I don't know. Just something to think about in case somebody at Disney World is listening to us. You feel free to say the Mousecapades podcast host thought these would be some great ideas. I don't even care if they don't give us credit. If, as long as I think these are great ideas, if they come to fruition, I don't care. I'll be like, yes, go. <laughs> Man, okay. We'll, ta- we'll brain it back in. Back to Epcot. Does anybody remember Horizons? See, I've heard about that a lot but I don't know what it is. It opened in 1983. It was Epcot's one year anniversary and it was an Omnimover ride system that showed Disney guests the future. Some considered it the sequel to the Carousel of Progress that's at the Magic Kingdom's Tomorrowland and it was open for 11 years. So 1983 to 1994 when General Electric ended their sponsorship. However, it reopened in 1995, a year later, when World of Motion closed. Horizons ran until 1999, when Disney replaced it with Mission Space, but it remains one of the most beloved Disney rides ever. That's a big statement. I know. I need to look it up on uh, YouTube. Yeah, I need to look it up on YouTube, because I've heard about it over and over. I wish Horizons was back from people that went long before we did, obviously. Um, Well, I was not in existence. So I could not have tried this. Well, no, no, no. I just mean, I've heard people talk about it. So I don't know what made it so special. I get what you're saying. I'm just saying anybody that like has had the, or had the opportunity to see this, like, or to write it, they are like, do not take this the wrong way, listeners. You are not old, but I'm saying you're all in like the millennial generation, at least because I was I was not in existence. I'm considered the first year Gen X, which is disgusting to me. But <laughs> let's not digress there. I know. I'm just saying, like, that's interesting to me. Cause I have heard of it, but I guess I didn't think it was a ride. I thought it was a place. I, I didn't realize it was a ride either, but I guess I thought it was a fireworks show. Cause it kind of sounds like one. Interesting. No, like Epcot's Horizons, video. like it sounds like the other ones. Right. Well, they also had something called Delta's Dream Flight from 1989 to 1998, and it was in Tomorrowland of Magic Kingdom. It was an Omni Mover ride, and it educated guests 
on the history of flight. And of course it was sponsored by Delta, hence the name. Um, but it taught the history of flight and eventually air travel. Then part of the way that it was there, or the time that it was there in the Tomorrowland, Eastern Airlines became its sponsorship and they changed the ride to if you could fly. Um, I'm assuming this ride was not that exciting or somebody just decided that it needs some waltisms or some imaginary because that ride is now Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, which I know is a big thing because Toy Story made it big. Yeah, like that. I don't know how it lasted so long. I mean, I guess the whole draw, like from anything from our perspective to then is not going to seem like all of that is going to seem like, how was that a thing? But the technology we have now is just vast right. <laughs> compared to then. So I guess maybe for some people, just being in that vehicle that spun like that and just moved was wow enough. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and you got to remember, it's really stepped up in population just in the time that we've been going there. Like, yeah, that's, that's the, true. The visitorship has increased. They've talked about that. I, even in Florida, because of Universal and Disney, and even SeaWorld has built onto their parks. They're, they used to be mostly just about coming and seeing their sea creatures, and now they even have rides. Well, our next ride was inspired by the submarine voyage in Disneyland, which is now Finding Nemo's submarine voyage, and it is 20,000 leagues under the sea. Guests would board submarines and sit back to back, each facing a porthole. They'd then take a slow moving tour around the giant lagoon, exploring underwater creations, venturing to the North Pole, and ultimately battling the film's famed giant squid. The ride was hard to maintain and had a very low load capacity. The ride was an opening day attraction for Magic Kingdom and it closed abruptly in 1994. Many of the Nautilus submarines were destroyed, but one of them can actually be seen today. It was sunken at Castaway Key, Disney Cruise Line's private island. Guests can snorkel over the famous sub on their vacation. This area was eventually filled in and is now home to the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train in Fantasyland. I thought that was interesting because I would have guessed where Ariel's ride is. I would think they would need both those spaces. And maybe they did. Like they created the walkway there, but maybe not. They said the majority of the ride is where Seven Dwarfs Mine Train now lives. Ah, well then I guess they could have. But this was, I never saw this ride, but... This ride reminded me a lot of the ride that we remember from Silver Dollar City in Branson that we talked to you guys about, where it would go down under the water. Now, in Silver Dollar City, it wasn't attacked by a, a giant squid or anything like that. It was just we were being chased by pirates or something crazy like that. Um, but it literally didn't go all over the place. It literally just went down and the submarine would turn and made you think you were going places. It probably only held 25 or 30 people at Silver Dollar City, so I can't imagine it'd be much more at Disney World. Yeah, and I get like the whole experience is going under the water, um, but now they can recreate this easily with technology. Oh yeah. Like getting in a submarine and like you're under the water and they could make it look so real with screens and the movements and everything. Like it would be so real with technology that we have. Obviously you wouldn't be underwater, but it's just crazy how it'd be so different. Yeah. And there was a screen in the one in Branson, but you can only imagine how old that technology was. Wow. <laughs> for, for real. So 
I don't know if you knew this either, Kaylee, and that is Grand Fiesta Tour was not the original ride at Mexico's Pavilion. You did know this? I did know that, but I didn't know what it was. It was called El Rio del Tiempo, and it would take the guests on a ride and tell the history of Mexico. And for some reason in 2007, Disney decided to reimagine it, and the ride was changed, adding Donald, Panchito, and Jose. And in the ride, Panchito and Jose are searching Mexico, looking for their friend Donald. The, the three They make up the three caballeros. Um, now, they don't say that this ride is completely extinct because most of the set pieces and decorations that were from this original ride are still a part of the Grand Fiesta Tour. But the ride itself is not histor- a historic visit through Mexico, so that's why they say technically it's extinct, even though parts of it are still around with Donald and his friends. Yeah. The poor animatronics on this ride can't seem to get it together though. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what they're going to do about that. I mean, they've tried and tried. It was sad though when they had those cardboard characters. Yeah, that was just I think with all technology they could fix them by now, but hopefully they'll figure something out. Now, when Epcot opened, it had another pavilion by the Land and Seas Pavilion, and it was called the Wonders of Life Pavilion. It focused on the human body that featured two attractions, Body Wars and Cranium Command. Lord, the amount of the amount of jokes you could go with just like <laughs> anyway. Body Wars was a motion-based simulator ride where you were strapped into a car with rows of seats and moved around rapidly while a video played at the front of the vehicle. You got to take a trip through the human body. It was one of the key factors in what made the attraction star tours possible. This attraction seemed like it existed a long time ago, but it actually closed in 2007, which is much more recent than you might think. Cranium Command was a show held in a theater inside the pavilion that took you through a day in the life of a brain controlling the body of a teenage boy. Why a teenage boy? But things did not go smoothly. Guests were led by an animatronic figure at the front of the stage, Fuzzy. He talked to the audience during the show and he worked with the other organs in the body to help steer the boy through his day. The space has since been used for festivals and seminars, but it will soon be the Play Pavilion. I'm at a loss. Like, what? (laughs) So I haven't heard much about this pavilion at all, but I do remember the character Buzzy, and I'm not sure why. Why? And why is his name Buzzy? I have no idea. He's a cute little character. He's got, like, um, short hair on top. He almost has, like, a mohawk. Not exactly. Like, it's flat on the top, but he really doesn't have a whole lot of hair on the side, and he's got round glasses like Harry Potter. That's like a faux hawk. He's a cute little kid, though. It just... What was their goal here? I don't know, but I think it's interesting because I feel like this pavilion may have keyed somebody into making... Magic school bus. I, I'm just, I mean, listeners, I don't know if some of you are like with me on this, but I'm just really trying to process how this fit, how they were like the prototype community of tomorrow. Let's learn about the body. Like, where did this fit? And then when they were like, let's make a show, everybody will want to navigate the teenage boy. I didn't even want to interact with teenage boys, let alone do I want to be one. <laughs> like, oh my Lanta. I think they just want them to know what a, their mind's thinking. I don't know. 
I just... That's probably why this ride is still not around, Kaylee, because there's lots of Kayleys in the world. I'm at a loss. Like, wow. <laughs> ah, now we're going to talk about Mr. Iman's favorite ride. Oh, classic. Yes, because our family still misses it, and that's the great movie ride at Hollywood Studios. Um, that's not to say that we don't like or love Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. However... We missed the history, historical ride on Great Movie Ride. Um, it used to be the one that was housed in the Chinese theater when you went in to Hollywood Studios. And the ride opened with the park on May 1st, 1989. It closed on August 13th, 2017. And thank goodness, didn't we take Josiah on that one time? I do think he got to do it once with us. Yes. I was going to say, I thought we got to take him on it one time before it closed. But I don't think his parents wrote it. Um, the ride used to take 19 minutes and an usher would take you to a tram and it was on a, um, trackless. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. It was trackless. And this is interesting, Kaylee, cause I didn't know this part. Depending on what ride you were on, you could be hijacked by a cowboy or you could have been hijacked by like a mobster gangster kind of guy. You didn't know that? No, I thought we'd only ever been hijacked by a gangster. I think we had both. Well, I didn't remember it. But anyways, okay. it, it said it could trade out. I mean, and that's good because it gave a little change up for people who wrote it multiple times. But the ride showed film footage, special effects, and audio animatronics of actors and actresses in scenes of movies like Casablanca, Tarzan, not Tarzan the cartoon, Tarzan like the movie, uh, Mary Poppins, Singing in the Rain, Aliens, Wizard of Oz, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and more. And then the end you would get a compilation of famous movie clips from old and new movies before you exited the ride. It truly was like a really cool one-of-a-kind experience and we were sad to see it go. And I know a lot of people were. Yeah, I was I was sad because and I understand Nick's point like I understand his point of view where he was saying like it's old and all the stuff in there was old, but it was one of those things where I'm like but that is the kind of like movie history that you need to have all the movies we've got today. Like right. that's where all of it stemmed from. And True. those are all the people that they've done all the groundwork for us to get here. Kind of in the same way, like I teach my students, like, yes, these composers are dead. They've been dead and in the ground since 1600s, but they made all these decisions that changed the course of music. And without that decision, we would not be here. And like, that's hard for them to process, but it's true. It's the same concept. Now, the last ride we are going to relive is the beloved Backlot Tour at Hollywood Studios. At least we love it. We rode this ride for the first time when we went to Disney World in 2009 on our first trip. It was a part of Hollywood Studios from May 1st, 1989, when it opened until it closed to make way for the changes in the park on September 28th, 2014. It was a half walking and half tram tour where guests got to see the making of an action scene, props from Disney movies like the chicken house from the Hannah Montana movie, one of the best moments of my life. Next, <laughs> the cast members had guests board a tram to see set designs, costume designs, and the scenery shop. Then guests were taken to Catastrophe Canyon. Guests get to witness a fuel truck crash, a fiery explosion, followed by a flash flood. The ride ends with a drive by the streets of America. I loved this. Like we did it. I think we did this every, every trip we, we went until it closed. And I really loved it because each time 
they were always bringing in new props. Like they had some that were permanently there, but they would bring in new props. And every time we went, there were different ones. Well, one of the cool things that I missed from back there is, um, is it still there in the background though? I was trying to think. The Mickey Mouse Tower, the water tower. I think the water tower is still there. The Earful Tower. Earful Tower. And then they had the plane that Walt used to fly on, his personal plane. They had Herbie the Love Bug. They had, I loved the little tunnel you went through. It showed like the making of Mickey and Minnie's outfits. Yes. Like it would show, and they told you how many. Now listeners, I'm not sure how many, I can't remember, but it was like hundreds. Like Mickey had hundreds, but then Minnie had like 500 more yeah. than Mickey. They were like, Mickey has this many, but Minnie has this many more. And like, they would show you and they had like models hanging in the windows. Um, so just all the stuff you got to see. Now, obviously that was more when it was still Hollywood Studios focused. And I think this is a good thing to like talk about as our last thing, because it's a big shift for Hollywood Studios. I think this park was the least Disney inspired for a long time. And then I think in the 2010s is where the shift happened and they were like, okay, we have enough movie making history within the Disney franchise now, we can make this all Disney, which is now they've got Toy Story Land, they've got Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and like everything within that park now is like within the Disney franchise. It didn't always, it wasn't always like that because they didn't have so much. It was more just movie based. And I think this was removed because it didn't fit. It didn't fit the bill anymore, like, which is sad. It is sad because they do still make movies and I feel like it could still be used for what it was used for then, but you know, everything has to change. I got it. Well, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed the walk down Disney's crazy memory lane. And we hope that maybe we brought back a fond memory or two. Maybe we talked about a ride or two or three or four that you remember from when um, you used to visit the parks. Um, Obviously, not all these rides are something that we actually had the opportunity to ride, but we know about them and we've heard about them over time. I am going to check out the Horizons though tonight because I'm going to forget about it if I don't do it again. But I hope that you appreciated our little banter about the different things and how what Disney's changed. And hopefully you understand why Disney had to change some things too. A few final reminders before we sign off. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or you have a question or a comment, you can email us at yourstorytravel.com. Go to the drop down and click on Vicki Black or you can text us at 636-373-4497. If you'd like to book a trip or you just want a free quote, you can text me, Vicki, at 636-373-4497. You can make a ticket and a resort reservation for a $200 refundable deposit. And 2023 reservations are already booking up. So if you're thinking about going next year, reach out to us today. You can check us out on our social media accounts, yourstorytravel.com, our Facebook page, The Mousecapades Podcast, or on the TikTok account, Your Story Travel. Be sure to listen to Wednesday's show as we dish the latest rumors and news and chat with the gang. As always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears, The Mousecapades Podcast. Well, I think it's about that time. Disney love. And pixie dust. Have a magical day, my friends. Bye.